Well, Pastor Joel, thank you again. We love you guys so much. And church, thank you. We love you so much. Uh, I want to share from Acts chapter 4 today. So if you uh, have your Bibles, you can turn. If you have your phones, you can tap to uh, Acts chapter 4, verse 23. Uh, About seven weeks ago, I was sitting in my friend's house, eyeball to eyeball with three Muslim men talking about Jesus. Uh, The next night, Cindy was at her friend's house sitting with six Muslim ladies, eyeball to eyeball, talking about Jesus. We live in a context where we have to have boldness to speak about Jesus. How many of you know that? Amen. Amen. We're going to look at Acts chapter 4 today. The apostles are in a situation where they need boldness. But it's not just the apostles, and it's not just us in the Muslim world. You, this is this place for an amen. I'm getting, building you up here, okay? You need boldness. Amen. So I want to just share a little bit about boldness today. We're going to talk about boldness. Acts chapter 4, verse 23. It's actually the end of a story. So let me back up a little bit. This story starts in Acts chapter 3, and this is the, kind of the conclusion of this story. Acts chapter 3, most of you know this story. Acts chapter 3. Uh, Peter and John are going into the temple one day, and they see a guy who is 40 years old who's been lame since birth. And he kind of asks, he, he looks at them, and he asks for money. And they say, we don't have silver or gold, but here's what we do have. And they grab him, and they lift him up, and they say, be healed in Jesus' name. And he's instantly healed. Amen. Now, that's awesome, because he starts jumping and praising and, and, and worshiping, which is great because... 5,000 people came to Jesus that day. How many call that a good day? (laughs) 5,000. But it's also bad because of all the commotion that happened. Peter and John got arrested, taken to prison, held overnight. And the next day, they have to give an account of what happened the day before to the leaders of the country. So they're they're giving their account, and we don't have time. They, they, They actually give a beautiful sermon, which we don't have time to talk about. But one verse... I can't pass over without commenting on it. And it's Acts chapter 4, verse 12. This is a verse that I believe you should memorize. This is a verse that I memorize, that I think about, that I meditate on, that I repeat to myself every single day. Because this is the key. Acts chapter 4, verse 12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven, given among men, whereby we must be saved. Acts chapter 4, verse 12. Now, Peter's not making this up. This is what he heard Jesus say. Jesus said to him just a few weeks earlier, he said, I, help me here now, I am the, a little louder, I am the what? Way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. So Peter is just repeating what he heard Jesus say a few weeks earlier. Jesus said, nobody comes to the Father except by me. Peter says, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name. Now, that truth is under attack today all over the world. In the Islamic world, that truth is under attack. Because in the Islamic world, Jesus is just a good prophet. He is not the Savior. He is not the only way of salvation. But even in your world, right here 
in normal Illinois, that truth is under attack. See, it's okay for you to say, Jesus is a way to heaven. That's fine. You can say that all you want. Kids, you can go to school tomorrow and say, Jesus is a way to heaven, and it's no problem. The problem is, is when you say what Peter said and what Jesus actually said, that Jesus is the only way. That is the problem. If you do that, you're going to be labeled intolerant. Am I right? You're going to be, you're going to be labeled as, as hateful, small-minded. Hello, am I, am, am I telling the truth here? Let me remind you of two, two things. Jesus said these words, either, either that's true or Jesus is a liar. I believe that Jesus is the truth. I believe that he spoke the truth. And I believe with all my heart that this is a fact that Jesus is the only way. Now, <laughs> telling the truth, so, telling somebody the truth is never mean, it's never hurtful. It's never hateful to tell someone the truth. If your kids go to school tomorrow and the math teacher gives them a little quiz and she says two plus two equals blank and little Johnny writes six in there and the teacher says, oh, that is so wonderful, A plus, you pass. Is that teacher being kind? Is that teacher being helpful? Is she doing something that's, that's good for that student? All she's doing, if she says, no, that's wrong, two plus two equals four, what she is doing, she is doing the kindest, most loving thing that she can do. Friends, listen to me. It is never wrong, it is never hateful to tell someone the truth that is the most loving, kind, wonderful thing that you can do for somebody to tell them the truth. But it is intolerant. Because the nature of truth is intolerant. If I say two plus two equals four, I am being very intolerant to three. Hello? (laughs) I'm being intolerant to seven and 17 and 368. Truth by its nature is always intolerant. So do not be afraid to be labeled intolerant when you tell someone the truth. Because truth always excludes error. And it's the most loving, kind thing that you can do is to tell someone the truth. Peter and John proclaimed this truth. And uh, the, the elders, if you, the leaders, if you look in verse 18, they said, stop preaching in Jesus' name. And in verse 19, they said, well, you decide if we should follow you or we should follow God. But as for us, verse 20, and this is significant, they say something that we can't even translate into English from the Greek. If we try to translate it literally, it comes out something like this. But as for us, we cannot not. Let me say that again. That's bad grammar. That's that's not good English. But as for us, we cannot not say the things that we've seen and heard. In other words, Peter and John are saying, "You, you decide whether we follow you or whether we follow God. But the point is, is that Jesus has done something for us, and we cannot hold it in. We have to tell others about what Jesus has done for us. That is their conviction. The elders let them go. 
they go back and they call a prayer meeting, and that's what we're going to look at today. We're going to look at the prayer meeting in Acts chapter 4, verse 23. So, if we put it up here, let's go ahead and read it together. This is verse 23, uh, says this. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, go ahead, verse 25, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why do the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. Now, here's what is happening to the apostles. The apostles' world is being shaken. Up until this time, it was awesome to be a Christian in Jerusalem just after the resurrection. The word says that they met daily from house to house. They broke bread daily from house to house. Daily people were coming to faith. It was just an awesome time. And today was the beginning of persecution. This was a watershed moment in the history of the church. This day that we're looking at today is the day that persecution against Christianity started. And so their world is shaken. They don't know know what to do. And so what they do is, and here's the first point I want to make, is that they saw their present situation, the bad situation that they're in, they saw that present situation in the Word of God. Let me say that again. They saw their present situation in the Word of God. How did they do that? Look, verse 25 and 26. They quote directly from David in Psalm chapter 2. They have a direct quote of what David said in Psalm chapter 2. Why do the nations raise? Why do all of these things happen? They are just simply relating their present situation. They say, hey, look, here's what's happening to us, and here's what David wrote about 950 years ago. Look, it's the same thing. This is happening all over again. Why is that important? Because when you see your present situation, whatever that is, whatever your present situation is, when you see that in the Word of God, it gives you hope and it gives you a foundation to be able to stand on. Not only did they see their present situation in the Word of God, The second thing is, is that they applied their present situation to the Word of God. They applied their present situation to the Word of God. Verses 27 and 28, let's look at that. says this, For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. Go back to verse 27 for a second. So here's how they applied their present situation to the Word of God. So when they looked at David 950 years earlier, David said, why do the Gentiles rage? That word Gentile in the Hebrew is a word that's used hundreds of times in the Hebrew. It basically means everybody but Jews. Okay, sometimes it's translated nations, sometimes it's translated Gentiles, hundreds of times, everybody but the Jews. But look at the apostles as they look at this in their present situation. They look not just at the Gentiles, but they look at four different power 
four different spheres of power in their world that's coming against them. The first one is Herod. Herod was directly appointed by the emperor. He was like the national big government. Pontius Pilate was the local governor over Judea and Jerusalem. He was more like the local government. Then it says the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel. That's my own culture for them. The Jewish people, that's my own culture. And the Gentiles are all of the other cultures. What the apostles are saying as they look at the word of God, they're saying this, that every power and every influence in this world is aligned against Jesus and his kingdom. That's why we need boldness. Don't be surprised when people come against you because you stand up for Jesus. That's what's going to happen. That's what the apostles are saying here. Big governments, little governments. Now, we don't always see it in America because sometimes we get a mayor that that loves Jesus. And sometimes we get a governor that, or a president or a congressman who loves Jesus. In fact, Illinois, we're doing really good right now. I've, I've noticed that we only have one former governor in prison right now. I mean, we're, we're on the upside. We're, I mean, we're, it's just great. But still, this world's systems are aligned against Jesus and his kingdom. The apostles saw that clearly, and they said, we need boldness which is why, in the last part, they pray for boldness. Verse 29 through 31 says this. And now, here's their, continuing their prayer. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all, help me, boldness. boldness. Good. Verse 20, uh, verse 30. While you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed, Through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. One more. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with, help me, boldness. And that's what I want to talk about. We need boldness in the Muslim world. The apostles needed boldness in their world. And listen to me, you need boldness in your world. How many want more boldness? All right, let me just quickly give you three easy things that I believe, this is what I use when I'm sitting in a Muslim's house, eyeball to eyeball, talking with them about Jesus. Here's what I use. Here's what I remind myself from the word of God to help me have more boldness. I'm just giving to you what I've tried and I've tested and I've used over and over again. You ready for it? Okay, three simple things. Three. Well, first of all, let's go back. I want to, let me back up just a second. Go back up to verse 29. There's three things that the apostles pray for. The three things the apostles pray for. The first one is in verse 29. What's the first thing they pray for? Somebody say it out loud. Say it loud. Boldness, thank you. The first thing they pray for is boldness. Okay, verse 30. Two more things. What's the second thing they pray for? Boldness and then what? Healing, okay. And then what's the third one? Signs and wonders. Good, all right. So let, let's review for a second. The apostles prayed for boldness, healing, and signs and wonders. Now, what got them into this trouble? I'll give you a hint. <laughs> you. 
They're in this trouble because of boldness, because of healing, and because of signs and wonders. Now, I have to be honest, Pastor Joel, if, if, I, if I'm going to church here and I get hauled in by the authorities and I get threatened, I'm not going to come home and pray for the same things that got me in trouble. Am I, am I, am I, I'm going to say, Lord, protect me. Lord, protect my family. Protect my 401k. Hello? I mean, I'm just, I'm, I'm just saying, okay, this is going to be a very different prayer meeting for me than it is for these apostles. And as I meditated on that, I realized, you know, sometimes we have the wrong idea of what prayer is. Prayer is, is not just so we can be happier. It's not just so we can live a more fun life. But we need to pray the kingdom of God. The apostles realized that in order for them to advance the kingdom of God, they needed more boldness, they needed more healings, and they needed more signs and wonders despite the price. And when we're ready to pray that way, despite the price, Jesus will answer those prayers as he did here for the apostles. So three simple things about boldness. First one is this. Our definition of boldness is wrong. I'll let that sink in for a minute. So if some of you are going to Webster's right now and you're looking through... What's the definition? Our our idea of boldness is it's some kind of emotion that we build up and we build up and we we build up and then suddenly when it gets big enough, then, you know, boom, boom, bah, boom. I have boldness. I don't see that in 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 this passage at all. You know where I see the apostles' boldness coming from? Verse 20, I've already talked about it. Their boldness came from this fact. They said to themselves and to, the, and to the leaders, as for us, we cannot not say the things that we've seen and heard. If you're waiting for some kind of emotional thing to build up so that you can have boldness, sometimes you're going to have boldness and sometimes you're not. Because emotions come and go. They're up and they're down. If you're looking for emotional boldness, sometimes you're going to be bold and sometimes you're going to be not. But if your conviction is my boldness comes from the fact that Jesus did something for me and I cannot hold it in. I just have to tell other people about what Jesus did to me. When you have that kind of boldness, it's there every single moment of every single day. That's the kind of boldness that we need. Now, two simple steps that I, that I use that I think will help us in our boldness. Are you ready? Okay, one person is. Let's, the rest of you, okay, let, oh, okay. Are you ready? Okay, good. Two, two simple steps. The first one is this. Let me teach you four, four simple words. Baby steps every day. Okay, can you help me? Repeat it back to me. I want to make sure we remember this tomorrow. My, my goal is that tomorrow when you go to school, tomorrow when you go to work, you're going to have more boldness. You're going to say to yourself, baby, come on, baby steps every day. One more time, baby steps every day. What do I mean by that? Well, the apostles in a week or two weeks or two months or two years from now, they're going to be stoned. They're going to be crucified. They're going to be beheaded. They're going to be fed to lions. They're going to be boiled in oil. They're going to be burned alive. But not today. Not today. 
Today, all they have to do is stand before the leaders and say, Jesus is the only way of salvation. So here's the point. If you're waiting for that big moment (laughs) when you need boldness to come upon you, it's not going to be there when you need it. But when you take baby steps every day, that's when it's going to come. I remember, Pastor Joel, you remember this, when Thief in the Night, you remember that movie, Thief in the Night? Some of you are, are over 100 like me, you'll remember that movie. In fact, that was from Des Moines, our, our hometown. So, um, And in that movie, there's a scene where uh, the Christians, people have become Christians, and they're sitting in white robes, and they're waiting to be executed. So they take them out one by one, and they, they're either going to, if they deny Jesus, they can leave, and they don't have to die. If they stand for Jesus, they cut off their head. Some of you, anybody who's watched the movie, I think, remembers that scene. So I'm sitting there watching, I'm a teenager, I'm sitting there watching that movie, and I'm saying, oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus, I want to be that guy who stands strong for you. I want to, and, I'm, and the, the little, tiny little voice of the Holy Spirit whispers in my ear, then why did you deny me three times today in the hallway at school? Ooh, yeah, that's right. (laughs) And that's the truth. If we don't stand for Jesus every day in the small things, we will never stand for Jesus in the big things. Hello? Number one, help me now, baby steps every day. The last thing is simply this, is that we have to let... The Word of God do the heavy lifting. This is the Word of God. It doesn't matter. You know, some of us, we think that if we don't have the right presentation, people are not going to come to Jesus. If we don't say it in the right way and in the right order and we don't have the right method of delivering, it's not a personality equation. It's not a presentation equation. It's a truth and power equation. All we have to do is be faithful to deliver the Word of God, and that's exactly what the apostles did. The apostles, when the time came, they said exactly what Jesus had just said to them. They said, He is the only way of salvation. Jesus had just told them, I am the only way. They are just repeating what they heard Jesus say when He said, I am the only way. Okay, so it's a truth equation. All we have to do is have the boldness, first of all, to stand up in the little things every day, and secondly, to deliver the Word of God with faithfulness. Here's what the Bible says. Here's what the Word of God has to say. Here's truth. (laughs) Here's what Jesus said. Here's the truth. Okay, so three things, just before I pray, three things to remember. Number one, Don't let it be emotional. Boldness is not emotional. It's a conviction that Jesus has changed my life and I can't hold it in. Number two, baby steps every day. And thirdly, let the Word of God do the heavy lifting. When you do that, you are going to walk tomorrow into work. You're going to walk tomorrow into school with more boldness, And being able to stand just like the apostles did, just like Cindy and I have to, just like Americans today have to. Father, we love you. We worship you. 
Lord, I pray for this church, Father. I pray, Lord, that this will become a church of boldness. That as these brothers and sisters scatter throughout this community in this week, Lord, that you would remind them that they have to have, that they need to have boldness. And that, Lord, you're going to remind them of these simple, easy steps. Father, and I pray for them right now that their boldness would be increased, that they would be able to share Jesus freely and openly, and that they would deliver the word of God to their friends, their neighbors, their family, their schoolmates with faithfulness, with honesty, and with power, Lord. I pray that for my brothers and sisters here in Jesus' name. Amen.